What's good, people? Uncle Hotep back at it again. Episode 42 of Uncle Hotep's podcast. How y'all doing? I'm doing all right. The weather is up and down. It was freezing a week ago. Now it's mild weather, and I think we're going to get snow again before the weekend is out. But never fear. Never fear. Uncle Hotep is here to give you another podcast. <laughs> um, I got a couple things going on. Uh, one, uh, this is this will be my first interview in a podcast. I'm uh, at, towards the end. I'll add the interview on I did with uh, Doe Dobbs, author, um, better known as A.R. Morton, but Doe Doe Dubs on Twitter. Uh, he's the author of the book Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation. So I have an uh, interview with him uh, that I'm going to be on that will be take part in this podcast. But I wanted to touch on a couple of things first. Um, one, it's one week left. One week left of the Obama administration. And one week left till either we make America great again or we <laughs> America comes, dies, democracy dies. <laughs> That's as far as... Uh, the left it will tell it, and the right will tell it. Um, hopefully, uh, it'll probably be somewhere in between. But I'm hoping uh, Trump can make America great again. But whatever. Um, there was a couple. There was a, a press con. I don't know where to start with this. There was a press conference uh, Trump had, and previously before the press conference, um, there was a dossier release, aka Pissgate, which. Seemed to originate on 4chan. Um, seemed they made up some cockamamie story. Yes, I'm saying cockamamie because that's how ridiculous the story was about uh, Trump um, being uh, watching women prostitutes piss each other, piss on each other in, in, a, in a Russian hotel room. <laughs> Trump said he's a, a germaphobe, so he doesn't know how that would happen. <laughs> uh, but the dossier got released. It seemed to me that, uh, from what I gathered, um, some 4chaner, from, some guy from Poll, uh, was sending this story to rush to uh, Never Trump or media outlets. Uh, I think, uh, assuming, I think Rick Wilson or someone had, had took it and added a Russian twist to it. Gave it to somehow it got into John McCain's hands, and somehow John McCain sent it to the FBI. <laughs> I bullshit you not. <laughs> That's how ridiculous this shit is in uh, 2017. Um, and Trump called him out on it, man, because it was a bunch of bullshit. You read the story, you know damn well the shit wasn't happening like that. It was. It, it read like a bad spy movie, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, um. I think you'll catch, if you're going to catch Trump slipping, it's going to be about some money. Him catching him slipping, a man that never took a drink in his life, uh, I think you're not going to catch him slipping uh, watching Russian prostitutes piss on each other in the Golden Shower Show. Um, That's how ridiculous that shit is. Um, But, uh, boy, I tell you. (laughs) That that press conference, if you you haven't seen it, you got to see that press conference, man. 
he called CNN fake news, man, and he, he blew them off on the question. He said he wasn't going to talk to them. It, it was it's a, it was a sight to behold because we got four years of this. We got four years of Trump telling off uh, reporters, telling them to go to hell, telling them you're fake news. And he even came, became a meme. Like, you, if you hear something, like, you don't agree with now, it's like, yo, man, that's fake news, man. I'm not trying to hear that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's the, like the goat comeback right now is uh, to tell somebody they're, they're giving out fake news. If you don't, if you don't try to hear what they're saying, or, or it's a bunch of BS. Um, that was that was crazy. Um, but and, and and what else was going on was the confirmation hearings. Um, Jeff Sessions, uh, Ben Carson, Rex Tillerson. I watched a little bit of all. I didn't catch too much of uh, Tillerson, but I did hear Marco Rubio's comments on Tillerson. Um, he, of course, was keep keep up with the Russian propaganda. The Russian was coming. The Russians are coming. You know what I mean? I'm sick of that. I'm sick of hearing about Russia, man. Seriously. What, what's Russia going to do? Invade the United States of America? Seriously. They have no inclination. Inclination. Excuse my... Uh, brutalizing the English language, but it's, they have no inclination to invade the United States. Um, and they're talking about our interests. They're not our interests. They're whatever somebody else's interest. And we're we're supposed to be the bully for hire, I guess. That's not that's not going to work with the American public anymore, man. Like uh, I think the American pub people are waking up and see how they're being used as cannon fodder for uh, bankers' interests, man. Nobody wants to try to do that no more. Go to war for stupid uh, reasons and, and land and oil and pipelines. And nobody's trying to do that no more, man. You can wrap it up, the propaganda, the propaganda up and say you're trying to defend America, man. But come on, man. Give the give this stuff a rest. Just give it a rest. Um, I did go watch some most of the Sessions uh, hearings. And it seems to me that the left is really geared up to stop Sessions. Um. With Tillerson, it seems like it's up to the Republicans to uh, pass him. Uh, I think nobody has a problem with Tillerson uh, on the left. But the left seems to be gearing up for uh, Jeff Sessions. Uh, allegedly, he... Uh, well, he did. He tr he tried some uh, NAACP uh, people back in the Civil Rights era about voter fraud. and They, they got found not guilty. Um, but that doesn't... Uh, and, you know, in America, not guilty doesn't mean necessarily mean you're, you're uh, uh, devoid of guilt. But, uh, and actually, I think Jeff said he would do the same thing again. That's what he felt. He felt there was voter fraud going on. Um, and I, I watched some of that. Uh, I watched a lot of that, actually. And it was, <laughs> there was protesters coming in and out of the confirmation hearings yelling and screaming, acting like lunatics. It was just crazy. Um, people uh, people worried about, I guess he's going to be the one to for, enforce, uh, make sure that the uh, immigration laws are enforced. And that's what the American people want, man. I mean, American people want the immigration laws to be enforced. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. This has nothing to do with race, man. You, no country in the world would let this happen to him. That's serious. There were no no country in the world would let this happen to him. Any sane country in the world wouldn't let this happen to him. Um, the the immigration problem in America is going on too long. I mean, 
it's been decades, you know what I'm saying, since it really started. So I, it does affect the black Americans. I, I don't, I don't want to stomp on anybody's parade to say it doesn't, but damn sure if it don't, um, it makes me sick when blacks just put their cape on and for illegal immigration when knowing damn well if the situation was reversed these same illegal immigrants will shut the door in your black face so I don't really know what what they're talking about um going on Obama it's the last week of the black president man <laughs> last week um I made a video on my pot on my uh, YouTube channel about uh, Obama's legacy. Uh, I wish people would check it out if you see it. Uh, if you go to my uh, Twitter page at Handy Mayhem, you'll see my YouTube channel. And I just want to reiterate some of those points here. Um, domestically, I don't know. He, he was neither here nor here, there. I mean, obviously, Obamacare was his big to do, his big part of his legacy. Uh, his stamp, rubber stamp on his uh, years in office. Um, but uh, it just didn't get it executed well. Um, it was kind of haphazardly put too much, in my opinion, put too much money in the insurance company's uh, hands. You know, I mean, price of medicine still sky high. I mean, what was with this coverage? I mean, it was to me, it was better the old way. You want insurance, go get you a job that, had, that gave insurance. That was one of the big plugs for working with certain companies. You know what I mean? They got good insurance. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't think uh, people being uncovered was the, the thing hurting uh, these quote-unquote insurance companies. Um, but the other stuff about the, him uh, domestically, I didn't really have a problem with, man. I mean, I voted for him twice. Um, the only one I'd regret was the second one, and I wish Ron Paul was uh, on the ticket because I would have really, I would have voted for Ron Paul. I didn't write him in, but I just voted for Obama. But McCain, I, I don't. When he was against McCain, I had no problem voting for uh, voting for him. McCain was this absolute loser. He's still an absolute loser. He's a neocon. He's a He's a sack of crap. <laughs> I can't stand John McCain. Uh, but, uh, I don't know, man. He brought swag to the White House. And that's why uh, he's such a, uh, still a popular figure in black America circles, even though he has done nothing for the people within the black America circles. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's not, it's, 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 it's nothing, he, he exemplifies the, one of the key issues in uh, black America. It's, it's always been <laughs> style over substance, as far as I can remember. And I think Obama uh, epitomized that. Um, also, uh, I, I wasn't really, I'm not too favorable. The one thing I, I really regret him on was he's, he really was the same Foreign policy wise, is Bush and them. Um, he really was a hawk. Uh, he really was. Uh, he's bombed country people. <coughs> he's he's throwing bombs. I think I read a stat. He's he's bombed people every day this year. Um, he he's financed this quote unquote 
civil war, which he calls a civil war, but it's really nothing but a mercenary war by the West to remove Assad from uh, power. And uh, he gave $5 billion to uh, jihadists in Syria. And I, I, I was thoroughly disgusted with that. Like, to me, there's no difference than what uh, Bush did in Iraq War Two. I mean, it was a bunch of BS. And we're sitting there drinking the Kool-Aid. And you tell the black American, it's, oh, it's not my problem. Like, how can you advocate dropping bombs uh, on other people? How can you advocate giving weapons just so they can dispose of another leader? Because you, you, somebody told you, we need a pipeline run through, and he's, he's in the way. Also, what he did with Gaddafi. I can't, I, I can't, I can't give him a pass on that. I can't, absolutely can't give him a pass on that. Gaddafi wasn't hurting nobody. And he, <laughs> Gaddafi held in check the illegal immigration, you know what I mean, from North Africa up, up into Europe. So combine the two, Syria and, and Leb Libya, we got a, a, a refugee crisis in Europe. And then, and Europe is about to go on a frenzy. Man, I, I, I don't know. At, at some point, it's at one on one hand, it was like it was nice to see your brother in the White House. On the other hand, I'm like, it just opened my eyes, I and mean, it was like, oh man, it's business than usual, White House man. It, it, he he was no different than uh, he was really meant Wall Street's uh, candidate. So. I don't know. I, I mean, I wish him the best of luck. I know he's going to make, he's going to get paid. He's going to be a speaker. He is a great speaker. Uh, that's why he was able to get in office. Um, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what it holds up for Barack. I don't know what he wants to do in the rest of his life. Um, I hope, <laughs> I, I hear rumblings that Michelle might get into uh, politics. They, I mean, the Democrats got to do something. They're going to try to roll Book, Cory Booker out. In 2020, or, or they're going to start prepping Michelle Obama. <laughs> they start prepping Michelle Obama, it might be a curtains. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because she got the she going to have the black food lock, stock, and barrel. And, and uh, I don't know about the white woman vote, but she, that's going to be a little tougher as we've seen with this past election. But I think uh, she's probably well liked in, a, in a, the liberal circle, so you got to look out for that. But anyway, here comes this, uh, I'm going to play my interview with Doe Do Dubes, um, A.R. Morton, author of the book, Black America, Inc., A Trillion Dollar Nation. It's a great book. It's got 400 pages, man, and uh, it's something I think every black person should need in America. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it anywhere. Um, so get yourself out there and order it. And uh, So here's my interview. I'll see you guys next week. Peace. What's going on, people? This is Uncle Hotep, and here I am with my first interview. I've said I've wanted to do some interviews in 2017 and uh, for my podcast, and this will be the very first interview for my for my podcast. Uh, here's A. R. Morton, and he is the publisher of a book, uh, Black America Incorporated: A Trillion Dollar Nation. Uh, you know, he's a member of the Hotep family, so I had to give him some play. And uh, this book is, is chock full of knowledge about uh, uh, black America and, and the wealth that we actually have and uh, we don't put, good, put to good use. 
it's a, it's a big book. I was surprised at the uh, the length of it. It's over four hundred pages and has a uh, everything uh, you need to know about Black America. Even have even has uh, Black corporations and businesses that uh, has the the contact information and everything in the book. So uh, I'll introduce. I've introduced him. So uh, this is A. R. Morton. Uh, his uh, Twitter handle is uh, DoDudes at D O E D O O B S. So uh, Doe, uh, take it away, man. Yeah. Uh, good morning, everybody. As Unc said, my name is Doe Dudes, aka, or as my author name is. You know, my real name is A. R. Morton, and um, I'm real proud of Black America Inc. Um, and being able to put that out there, uh, based upon you know, needing solutions. Um, I started doing these changes in my home first, you know, uh, switching my diet over, being more conscious of the way I spent my money, uh, becoming more connected with my family and things of that nature. And, um, you know, I felt it would be a crime if I didn't share this information um, and all of the things that I learned about the black American expenditure, uh, uh, more so in the retail economy more than anything, just because black Americans make up 87% of the retail economy, which is a real important point. So that's why I did it, you know, black Americans, just to be able to show people what we can do with the, with the, with the economy that we have, all of the possibilities that uh, we can actually put into fruition with our money. Okay, okay. Can you tell me about the... I, I've looked through the book. I haven't really... Uh, got too far in it. I got uh, up to the the clothing chapter. Um, you have a lot of stats in 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 the, in the book. How did you do your research for it? Um, honestly, it was just me, you know, cracking the whip and doing my googles. You know, uh, taking, you know, everything that I learned from uh, the BLS, which is the Bureau of Labor uh, Labor Statistics, um, Census, you know, other different um, government. Uh, websites and just um, literature that they've created based upon the black populace and then other um, authors and um, websites you know with articles on them and stuff like that just gathering you know a bunch of uh, information as much as I could to be able to you know convey the message that I was trying to get across which is how much money you know we spend every year you know what I'm saying so a lot of my research just came from me just going hard with the Googles and, and reading okay yeah, can you can you? I've been I've been wanting to write. It. I was thinking throwing the idea head uh, around my head of writing, actually writing a book. Some people have asked me on my uh, my YouTube channel, um, are you ever going to write a book or anything? Um, can you tell tell us go through the process of writing? This is your first book, correct or no? Correct. correct. Yeah, yeah. Can you give us the process of uh, writing your first book and how long did it take you? Because like I said, it's it's a pretty lengthy uh, book here. It's not like um, you threw a couple. A hundred pages out here. You threw uh, right, 400, right, right. 400 some pages out here. That's a. It seemed to me it would take a little bit of time. Uh yeah. Um, one thing that I that I always have is um the advantage that I have is that I talk a lot. Okay. <laughs> you know, so I love to talk. I run my mouth for hours. That's you know one of the major reasons why I got into the podcast realm as well, just to be able to get my bars off. Yeah. You see my long threads on Twitter and stuff like that. I love to talk. I have plenty of opinions and. I like to back those up with, you know, facts and stats and stuff like that. So, like I said, it started with my lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. You know, it started with just seeing the things that I'm doing. I'm losing 100 pounds. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Off the strength of just eating plates. I'm making more money just by saving it. Wow. Who knew? 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like once I saw the behaviors that went against this being popularized so much in the black community, wasting money, you only live once, throwing your money, you know what I'm saying, just throwing your time, your resources away uh, because we were just, you know, indoctrinated to just live in the moment, you know, and not really look towards the future. And you can't have that and have generational wealth. And that's where black Americans have definitely just fallen off from. You know, we make money, we just don't keep money. So, you know, that's where it was at. So I was like on Twitter a lot, you know that, and just seeing everybody just bitching about the problem, you know, excuse my language, just going complaining about the problem. And I'm like, yo, for every problem, there has to be a solution. Because when I was complaining about the problem, I wanted I wanted an answer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I felt like it was just hurting it for me to find the answer. And once I found it and then I started to share it, I saw people like, nah, you know, in disbelief or whatever. So I'm like, okay, so this is something deeper. This is psychological. Y'all really don't believe in yourselves for real, for real. So let me put it in a medium that y'all can really, you know, or it already said read a book. Because one of the one of the stats that I even forgot to put in the book is that 0.1% of the black expenditure goes to books. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Now, that's 0.1 of a trillion dollars, of course. But still, you know, that pales in comparison to things like food or clothing and things of that nature. So books are already something that as black Americans, as a populace, because I'm not going to say that it's not black readers. I'm one. You're one. You know? Right. But as far as getting to that point, to have it in a book, it, it does take that step to want that solution. That's why I do charge for it. I could have dropped a free ebook, but there's going to be certain things that you're going to have to do to even make it prevalent in your mind that you want solutions. So that's why I put it in the book. And um, as far as the time frame, um, I started thinking about doing this, I say, in um, March of 2016. I was just muddling around the idea and, you know, talking to my lady about it. And, um, you know, she was she was with the idea. She thought it would be a good idea off the strength of me already being so solution-based in my thinking. Um, and as far as, you know, the heftiness, man, like I said, it just it goes from just me talking a lot. So when I, so what I'll do is I'll find a stat or a fact and then build my entire argument around that. I base it in fact and then give my opinion on on top of it. Okay. You dig what I'm saying? So yeah. so that's where it's at. So I was able to really flesh out a lot of material and a lot of content based upon my just being talkative and then basing that you know that talkative attitude around hard facts. Okay. Um, can you tell us about the the food section? Cause I you believe I think you had a garden. You post you posted uh some pictures absolutely. on your Twitter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I this is my plan. This just coming uh spring. I got a little. I moved and I have a little bit of uh, area where I can uh do some gardening. So I'm I'm I'm, I, I'm going to hit you up with some questions. So be oh, be be prepared for them. Can you tell me how um because you have the section one is food. So you started right off with it. How important uh, the the food aspect is for uh, Black Americans? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you um, peeped that because I could have started you know anywhere really, but food was really important for a few reasons. Um, number one, of course, off the bat, the health. You know, our people, Black people, are they there? There's the stats for health problems as far as like strokes, heart disease, cancer, and different areas in their body, and you know, just a whole bunch of know life-changing life-threatening diseases is high in black america and it's honestly largely based not solely but very large i would say about 
85, 90% of the blame goes to the black American diet. Right. And, you know, in the book, you know, I, I start with slavery. You know, I start with the fact that black slaves were eating the scraps. Now, mm-hmm. in certain research that I found, there were people saying that slaves actually had gardens and stuff like that. And like I said, I just moved to think that it was a mixture of both. So that was one reason, just to say that, you know, the health part is real, real prevalent because black people are dying every day. You saw it all 2016. We lost all of these black talents due to straight health problems. Nobody was murdered like yeah. that. You know what I'm saying? It was straight. Their bodies just giving up on them based on their lifestyle of, you know, of the food that they eat maybe smoking, drinking, or whatever it is. So these are the things that's really taking us out, you know, more than anything. That's the number one killer of black people, you know, heart disease and things of that nature. So, and then secondly, when, you know, I started to do the math and started breaking up the trillion dollars, I saw that 1%, (laughs) 1% of the black American expenditure could feed all of us for life. You know, you know, if we keep investing that same 1%, just 1% in our food, to buy land, rule lands, and lots in the cities to grow our own food, to supply our own food, it would take 1% of the black American expenditure. So when I look at that, I'm like, yo, this is a major thing because there's psychological problems that go into diets as well. When you start talking about the tortured animals that they're eating, that DNA is being transmuted and transmitted into the human body that's eaten. And that goes for everybody, but, you know, of course, because it's so prevalent in black America, I had to make it known that, you know, black people are ingesting these poisons, literal poisons into our bodies. And that's affecting the way we live our lives, the way we think about ourselves, the way we love one another. Those things are actually affecting the way we live in this country. You know, so yeah. when you when you're such a victim and then you're eating victims, you dig what I'm saying? That's yeah. just reassuring your mind state. And that's what's keeping us down to where you think every or most white people hate you or whatever, because you're eating things that totally are indicative of you hating yourself. You're right. putting, you're eating hate. So that's where that is. It's just a psychological thing as well as physical. And um, the reason I began with it is because it's so simple. Just buying land and being able to till it. And um, as far as me and my home, yes, this past uh, spring and summer season, we grew dozens of stuff. We had beans, we had okra, we had corn eggplant, tomato, um, potato, uh, rosemary, like, you name it, we had it in there. We even had strawberries in there. Okay. And I live in Philadelphia, and I, I have a, I was on a, it was on a concrete slab, you know, I had yeah. pictures of it, you know, stuff like that. And see, I, I built that raised bed myself, I poured the soil in myself, I mixed it with some hay for, for drainage and being able to have the soil to breathe a little bit easier. And I, we got to work, me and my wife, we got to work. And we saved hundreds of dollars just in that season. You know what I'm saying? Hundreds of dollars on food because we are plant-based. So when you when you couple that, us having a savings now, us saving hundreds from just from the that's just one household, and that's just from you know spring to summer. If we kept it going and had you know actual storage of our goods and stuff like that, and stored them for longer for the cold months, we would have saved thousands. Right. So, you know, that's why it's so important. If we invest our money the right way, we won't have to be going to Popeye's every other day because we rush home from work and all this other stuff. We'll have local markets that will have organic, fresh produce that will be at our disposal at a cheaper price because it's local. 
we don't have to pay the shipping fees and the traveling fees and things of that nature. The community will be more involved in tilling and, and growing the food, so there'll be less money on maintenance because there'll be more hands on deck. You dig? So all of these things can help Black America, and you know, the food is definitely needs to be tackled first and foremost. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to uh, start it, man. I know it's gonna be a lot of hard work. Uh, I remember when I was growing up, my uh, my parents had a, a garden, but they didn't keep it too long. Um, I can't wait to get out there because I want I, I want to show my daughter something. Some so she'll know how to grow food. You know what I mean? I think that's something yeah, you man. should always yeah. be able to uh, pass on, and everybody should know. I, like everybody, like not even not just black people, but white people. Everybody should know Absolutely. how to grow food. Um, that's something you should always carry with you. Uh, okay, I'm gonna read a, a a paragraph from the clothing apparel section four you have because I think this is a uh, this is indicative of, of Black America. Um, I'm gonna read it right here. Because a black American spends more money, which in turn means they buy more clothing, black Americans are funding the same oppressive systems some proclaim they don't condone. Our clothing does not need to be made by underpaid, overworked, abused sweatshop workers. Our clothing can be ethically sourced locally and, abro and abroad without compromising our integrity, dignity, and overall humanity for a dollar. Can you give me a couple uh, thoughts on that paragraph? Absolutely. Um, you know, that, that part really came from me, uh, pushing that campaign to boycott Nike and, you know, boycott these, uh, you know, big corporations like McDonald's right. and what have you. And a lot of the people that was coming to me was like, yo, when you talking on an iPhone, the iPhone is made with slave labor, boycott your phone. And, you know, that conflict came there. And of course, you know, my answer to that is basically, I'm not buying another iPhone because I don't condone slave labor. So right. I try to do as much as I can to not support it in any way. And yeah, when it comes to that, you have a generation of black Americans coming up screaming about oppression and screaming about, you know, injustice in Nikes. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then going to McDonald's. That's what I'm saying. And the thing is, like, McDonald's is actually worse because McDonald's uses um, inmates. They right. use prison labor. They, they call it insourcing. Wow. You know what I'm saying? They use prison labor. And we know because of what? You know, another thing that they complain about is mass incarceration. Right. So if we're talking about black Americans in jail, men and women in jail, and they're the, you know, they have a higher, you know, um, representation in those prisons, who do you think is making your McDonald's products? Victoria's Secret uh, um, uses prison labor. Fem women uh, prisons. So they have black women in the same lingerie that they are wearing when they go protesting. <laughs> so the cycle of this stuff is, 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 is what we need to look at. Like, there's nothing wrong with being a factory worker. I know a lot of people who are saying that, uh, you know, that's a lost art and stuff like that. Factory jobs are not coming back and all that. And I agree to a certain extent. We can just, if we're going to move in a more technological way, let's be the people ahead of the curve creating these devices that's going to make it a little bit more streamlined to make our clothing but we do not have to use you know south asian slaves or african slaves for our goods especially when there's so many of us here who can produce our own things and that's one of the major things that i'm trying to show black america like yo you you have to start supplying your own needs because the more and more you depend on a, 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 another system the more you're going to have to wait for your for your prize you're gonna have to wait for the clothes you're gonna have to wait for the food you know so just be ahead of the curve 
to start supplying your own needs. And yeah, it's just pretty hypocritical that you can be so, you know, high and mighty or indignant about the way you feel about a certain oppressive system, but you still benefit from it so much. You know, just being an American citizen, and that goes with a lot of these social justice liberals and stuff like that. They are able to complain about this stuff because they are so privileged. You know, they, they wait till they'll go to Ivy League schools to complain about their privilege. You'll see rich <laughs> white people complain about racism or systemic racism after they get rich. I have not met any poor white person that gave a fuck about systemic racism. Excuse my language. I know I'm trying. <laughs> I'm getting in my own podcast world. I got to calm back down. But, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I, I, I would just look at it as a, we just have to stop complaining because we all are part of the, are part of the problem until we start doing something different. No matter where you stand, unless you are putting in the work to make sure your community is able to start supplying their own needs and, and you're not going to McDonald's and you're, first of all, that's just deadly for you anyway, but you're not putting your dollars towards McDonald's and then supporting a local restaurant, a black restaurant, a black caterer, etc. you're good. But if you're not doing that, you know, you really have to look at yourself in the mirror and just take a step back and just start doing the work on your end because you have to be the change you want to be, you know, you want to see in the world. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, uh, one last question. Um, for people that buy your book, what do you, the mo- one of the most important things you think you should get out of reading your, your book? Power. Power. it up uh do you have any uh closing uh thoughts uh you want the people to get or you have where they can reach you or or your next projects or the floor is yours what else yeah oh yeah man i got plenty of things to plug man okay (laughs) yeah go ahead get your plug (laughs) on oh yeah so first of all follow me at d-o-e-d-o-o-p-s on twitter um of course buy my book black america inca train domination on amazon listen to my podcast Intelligent Rebel Squadcast on SoundCloud. You will find the link on my page. I tweet it all the time. Um, shout out! I'm definitely repping Hotep. Follow Hotep Nation. That's you know I'm pushing. Up, I'm gonna be pushing out a lot of content um, from that as well. Um, shout out to all of the people 
man, and, and just make sure that you support me in any way that you see fit. You dig? It's going to be way more content coming, way more things coming. So, you know, I rap as well, so I'm going to be pushing for the music too. 2017 is going to be a great year for Doe Dupes and everybody that rocks with me. So we're just going to keep it pushing, man. Black America, Inc. Okay, man. All right, man, I'll check you out on the timeline, but I appreciate you coming on the show. I, I greatly appreciate it. You're my first interview. We I, we accomplished this milestone together, so I greatly appreciate you, you ha- letting me have you on. Yeah, man, this is my first interview. This is your first interview. We live. You know, it's a great, you know, it's, I feel like it's my little birthday gift to you, if you will. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yeah. happy birthday to you, Unc, man. Right, thanks, cool. man. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, peace. All right, man, peace.